Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. To the First Corinthians, the book First Corinthians, chapter 16 of First Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 in your Bibles and it's good to see all of you out tonight seemed like every Friday night I've been speaking somewhere in one of the outreach churches but tonight I didn't have any service so I was able to be here praise God and I could see that we're going to be growing more and more on Friday nights and begin to build up this service so that we could have a tremendous time every Friday night. Tonight I want to talk to you on a subject that I believe is so very, very important, especially since we have Miracle Sunday that's coming up very, very soon on February the 16th. And that's only about, not this Sunday, but the next Sunday, right? Not this Sunday, but the next Sunday. And then right after that, we go right into the conference, and so it's an exciting time. But I want to talk to you on the area of guidelines. We find some guidelines in the Bible concerning giving. And I want you to follow with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1 to 4. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letter, then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem." And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Amen. You may be seated. It is rather striking that here in the Word of God, you find the Apostle Paul in verse 15, he's talking about a very, very powerful subject that we find him talking about in verse 15, on chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. He's talking about the resurrection. And then right after this tremendous, important subject of the resurrection, we find that all of a sudden he begins in chapter 16, in verse 1, he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints. All of a sudden, from a subject of the resurrection of our bodies, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of a sudden he comes from that so powerful spiritual subject, and in chapter 16 he begins to talk in the area of giving, and he starts in verse 1, now concerning the collection for the saints. Now the reason why the Apostle Paul was able to talk about on this subject and able to talk about the area of giving of a person's finances is because you find that the Bible never separates giving from other spiritual subjects or from other spiritual truth that you find within the Word of God. Giving is something that is spiritual and something that you find that is recorded over and over within God's Word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, Paul exhorts us to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. And you know that always abounding in the work of the Lord and serving God, we also serve Him not only with our gifts and with our talents, but we also serve him in the era, area of giving of our finances. Money is never to be separated 
from our Christian experience. It is very important how a Christian gives. In fact, it is a very good way of gauging our Christian experience or gauging our Christian life. In the New Testament, one verse out of every six verses deals with the question of money or covetousness, and even half of the Lord's parables refer to the money question. And Jesus also said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And even Jesus says, you cannot serve God and also serve mammon. Now, there are many people in the Word of God that we find that were examples of, of people that did not understand this principle of giving. In fact, money became detrimental to them. Money, instead of becoming a blessing, became a curse within their lives. We find, for instance, in the Old Testament, we find Achan. In the Old Testament, he brought defeat to the armies of Israel because of covetousness. Balaam sinned against God and tried to curse God's people. Delilah betrayed Samson to the Philistines. Gehazi, for money, lied to Naaman and, and also Elisha and even became a leper. We find many other instances in the Word of God that's recorded of people who, because of their covetousness and because they understand the principles of finances, money became a curse to their lives. So on one hand, money could be a curse, and on the other hand, money could also become a blessing in one's life. It all depends on the attitude that someone has concerning money, concerning finances. Now here... In the verses that I have read to you, or read for you this evening, we find in verse 1 that the Apostle Paul is dealing with the Corinthian church. And he tells them, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now one of the areas that the Corinthian church lacked, they lacked in that gift or the grace of giving. And the Apostle Paul was trying to teach them and trying to bring them into a higher spiritual level and into a deeper experience as far as their Christianity. They were very good as far as the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they lacked in the grace of giving and giving of their finances to God. So the Apostle Paul here in chapter 16, he begins to challenge them, and he tells them about the purpose of the collection. The purpose of the collection, he brings out that there were needs. The Jerusalem church was in need. And there was famine in Jerusalem. And many of you know, the, if you read in the book of Acts, how there was persecution that came upon the Jerusalem church. And there were a number of reasons why the persecution came upon them. First of all, it came upon them because of their disobedience. See, whenever we disobey God or whenever we don't heed to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God, God tries to speak to us and get our attention. But when we don't listen to him, there are times that he permits certain circumstances to come our way so that he could get our attention. And with the church of Jerusalem, many of you know that instead of going out and preaching the gospel beyond the regions of Jerusalem, they remained in Jerusalem and they didn't go to, the, to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And even 25% of the book of Acts was already history 
and they were not even planning on going and taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. So because of that, there was persecution that came, and there was also a famine. And because of the persecution, all the Christians in Jerusalem began to scatter. And because of that, there was a tremendous need, and there was poverty in the mother church, poverty in the church in Jerusalem. Now many of you know also that the church of Jerusalem, that was the mother church of all the churches. Just like, for instance, if we were hurting here in Los Angeles, in La Puente, and we were going through a tremendous famine, then all of the other churches begin to rally to help us in our, our need or help us when we're going through this terrible famine. Well, this is exactly what they were doing with the church in Jerusalem. And what Paul was doing, he was collecting offerings from different churches so that he could take it and he could meet, they could meet the needs that existed in Jerusalem. So he challenges the Corinthians. And he tells the Corinthians, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have, I've given orders to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. In other words, all these other churches are contributing. All these other churches are getting involved with the need in Jerusalem. And I would like for you also to get involved and to give sacrificially for this particular need. Now there's a number of lessons that we could learn in these passages of Scripture that will help us as far as help us in our priorities towards our finances, towards God. The second verse we find that the Apostle Paul begins to bring out a number of things. First he brings out the period or, or the time when one should give. You notice what he says in verse 2? Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him. So he brings out that the period of giving is upon the first day of the week. This is the instruction that he was giving to the churches of uh, the early churches. He was telling them upon the first day of the week, that's the time that you should give. Now, the first day of the week is actually Sunday. It's not Monday, but it's Sunday. And the reason why he's telling them that is because they all used to get together on the first day of the week. On Sunday, they began to have church after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before that, you know that the Jews used to have it on Friday night and also on Saturday. But the Apostle Paul, after the resurrection, you find that the early Christians began to have and meet together upon the first day of the week. That's a Sunday. And he said, when you come together on Sunday, on the first day of the week, then also come prepared to worship God also with your giving. God wants us to deal with our stewardship, not only once in a while, but he wants us to deal with our stewardship every week. He wants us to make our giving part of our worship. And that's exactly what it is. When we get together in a church service, like we're together this evening, we worship him with our lips, we worship him with our praise, we worship him as we clap our hands, we worship Him in many different ways. But also, when we give of our finances or when the offering is collected, it is also a sacred moment that we're worshiping God. It is not a time of intermission, but it's a time that we're worshiping God with our finances. And it is a very important part of our worship. Now, for some people, it may be easier for them. It's not a sin if you pay your tithes on Friday. 
Now I'm saying the first day of the week is because they possibly, maybe on Friday they didn't get together, but it was the first day of the week that they got together. And on the first day of the week they would come and they would bring their offerings and bring their finances. But it's not a sin to pay your tithes on Friday. There are some people that cannot wait till Sunday. If they don't pay it on Friday, by the time Sunday comes, it's gone. Sometimes it's a little bit too tempting for some. They have it in their pockets, and as soon as they get paid on a Friday, that's the time to come and bring it if you feel you can't trust yourself. But normally on the first day of the week is when everyone, there's a particular day or there's a day that we should set aside once a week, if you get paid once a week, that we give to God what belongs to God. And what happens to us when we begin to do that, we begin to learn not to give emotionally, but to give systematically. I believe that within a ministry, we should not have to come with tear-jerking stories to be able to motivate God's people to give. I believe God's people, because of the love that you feel inside and because of the grace of God and for all that God has done for us, we should be so grateful that we're willing not only to give our bodies, but to also give of our finances unto God. So we could gauge, in a sense, we could gauge our spirituality and the commitment that we have with God also in the area of our finances. Learning how to give, not emotionally, but learning how to give systematically to the Lord. And then also, secondly, he not only gives us and tells us upon the first day of the week or the period when we should give, but also in verse 2, he also tells us the place of giving. You notice what he says? He says, upon the first day of the week, then he says, let every one of you lay by him in store. Now what does he mean by lay by in store? The storehouse is actually the church. That's the storehouse. And when he says lay by him in store, he means that upon the first day of the week, we come and bring our offerings and bring our finances to the church that we belong to. We're to support the local church, and especially we're to support our home church. Now, I don't mean that we can't give to other ministries. I'm a believer in giving to other ministries. We're not the only ones that are part of the body of Christ. And I know that there are many of you that give to Jimmy Swaggart, many that give to TBN and give to other ministries, and that's all right. But in our giving, we should not neglect where we're receiving our food. We should not neglect the home church or the home fort or the storehouse that God has placed us in. For instance, I had a person one time said to me, well, I give wherever I feel the leading. Now, you could imagine if we had a church full of people like that, huh? In the first place, we wouldn't be able to pay uh, the, the mortgage on this property. We wouldn't even be able to have the lights on. If we had people that were emotional, just emotional givers, sporadic givers that they gave wherever they felt, you know, wherever they wake up, and then they wake up on Sunday and say, well, where do I give today? And they give everywhere else and begin to neglect their own home church. Uh, we cannot, you cannot have a strong church with those kinds of people. But what we need in a church that's going to be a powerful church are people 
that are not only giving systematically, but people who do not neglect their home church, but are able to support the church that God has placed them in. And this is what makes us responsible Christians when we learn that the tithe belongs to our church. Now I give. I give other places I'm always giving. But you know where my tithes go? My tithes go to the home church. That's where it goes. Because I know that this is, this is where it belongs. And this is the responsibility that we have. And this is what Paul is bringing out. That the place of giving laid by him in store is the church. And then also thirdly, we find that he also brings out who are the participants as far who are the people that should give? Should just a few people give? Or should everybody give? And you notice what he says? It's also in verse 2. Let every one of you lay by him in store. That means there's no exception. That means everyone, every person should give, and every person should have something to give without exception. There shouldn't be the excuse, I'm too poor to give. Well, if you're too poor, then you should not neglect to give so that God will bless you and you won't be poor. Oh, everyone, all the participants are, let every one of you lay by him in store. It is not optional as far as giving. There's no exceptions. Everybody has something to give. And if you can't trust God when you're poor, you won't trust him when you're rich. You know what some people say? Well, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. Making promises. Brother Sonny, just wait. Just wait for that day that I want to help the church. Right now I can. You know, I'm look at me and I just make a little measly little salary. And I wish that I could help the little bit that I have. It is impossible to help. And I know that I won't even make a dent within your ministry. So uh, one of these days when my ship comes in and when I really get blessed, I'm really going to make a tremendous contribution to the church. Well, it doesn't work that way. If you don't learn to give when you're poor, you won't learn to give. You won't give what you have and when you're rich. So who are the people that should give? The Bible says all should give without exception. That means that everybody in our congregation, everybody that is part of our congregation and part of our church should be a giving person. Not only giving of your talent, but also committing and giving of your finances as well. Now talking about poverty and being poor, there's a tremendous example that we have in God's Word of a church that was totally in poverty and yet they loved God so much that they gave. And the Apostle Paul brings it out. I want you to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and follow along with me. Here we have three churches. The churches of Macedonia which are the church of Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. And these three churches were so powerful as far as their giving that it's recorded here in the Word of God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul bringing out, what he brings out about these churches. In verse 1 he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to with the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. You know what Paul is doing? Paul first spoke to the Corinthians 
in 1 Corinthians, you find him telling them about contributing to the church in Jerusalem, right? You know what the Corinthians did? They made all kinds of promises and they said, yes, we will contribute, we will give. And you know what they did? About a year and a half passed by and they really never gave what they had promised. So the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, he begins to remind them of the commitment that they had made. And in chapter 8, he uses as an example these three churches to be able to motivate and instill faith within the Corinthian church so that they will become a giving church and a giving people. You know why it's so good for us to, to preach about giving to a congregation and to a church? is because when, when somebody hasn't learned the principles of giving, they are losing out on the blessings of God. And there's so many blessings that, that they're for you and they're for me when we learn the principles of giving and stepping out in faith in God. And what the Apostle Paul did, he didn't want the Corinthians to continue to grow in lacking faith within their finances and lacking faith in the grace of giving. He wanted them to learn that lesson so he used these churches as an example. And first of all, we find that in verse 1, the Apostle Paul of, of chapter 8 says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to with the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. In other words, there was grace. It was the grace of God that was bestowed upon these churches. You know why they were able to give? Because of the love of God that was within inside of them. The love of God that they had within their heart. See, the more you love God, the more you want to do for God. If you love God, you love the kingdom of God. If you love God, you love the church of God. If you love God, there isn't any problem as far as giving of yourself and also giving of your finances. So lack of giving is one of the first signs of spiritual decay within a person's life. And here the Apostle Paul tells them, I want you to take notice of the grace of God that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. And then in verse, verse 2, he goes on, he says, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. You know what the Apostle Paul is saying? He's telling them that the Macedonians gave in, spart in spite of hard times. Notice what it says, that they were being tested, a severe test of affliction within their lives, and even though they were tested, and even though they were in extreme poverty, nevertheless, they gave, and they got involved in giving, and got involved in the contribution to the churches of Jerusalem because of the love of God that is within their heart. So this was a church that even though in spite of hard times, nevertheless, they were faithful in their giving. And then in verse 3, listen to what he says. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Now what is he saying? He's bringing out that they gave in proportion to their means. In other words, they gave what they could afford. And not only that, they even gave beyond their means. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will. Here was a church 
Not only did they give what they could afford, but they gave what they could not afford. In other words, they were able to stretch themselves. You know how we grow in our giving and grow spiritually is when we stretch ourselves. As we get God's Word and as we feast upon God's Word and meditate upon God's Word, then we step out on the Word of God. And in the area of giving, in the area of, of faith, in, in, in believing God to meet your financial needs, we need to believe, and by believing, we need to stretch our faith. And that's the way you begin to grow. Maybe in the beginning you have a little faith and you're not able to give that much, but as you give more and more and as you stretch yourself more and more, you begin to see that God is a faithful God a God who is able to provide, a God who is faithful to his word. And these churches, not only did they give what, according to their means, in proportion to their means, but they even gave beyond their means. They stretch their faith. And then fourthly, he brings out and he says, that they even begged to be able to take part in this contribution. Somehow, probably the Apostle Paul felt sorry for them. You ever have people like that? You know that I've had, I, I, I had people like that. I had a person one time come and give me a check. And I knew that the person was hurting. And I told that person, I can't take that check from you. I know your situation and I know you need it more than anyone else. And I think that you should keep it and, and just pray about it a little bit more. This was a time when we were in our building project, when we were coming out of uh, the International Club. And I said, please, I can't, I don't think we could accept it. You need it, and I know that you need it. You know what that person said? That person said, please, do not reject because God spoke to me and do not reject uh, my finances or my giving because if you reject it, then God will cut off my blessing. And that person, I mean that person was so, he had made up his mind that God had spoken to him about giving that offering and he knew it that if he, didn't, if he wasn't obedient to God, that in turn, God would also cut his blessings, but that if he gave it, God was going to be faithful and was going to bless him for it. And the very same way I could imagine the Apostle Paul, he probably said, look, you need it more than anyone else. You're in the same condition as the church in Jerusalem, and you cannot afford to be able to give. But you know what they did? They begged him to take the offering that they were given to the church in Jerusalem. And listen to what it says in verse 4. Praying us with, with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. In other words, they begged for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints in Jerusalem. They actually begged to be able to give of their finances. Usually it's the other way around. You've got to beg people to give. Well, here the people were begging to take part. They were begging that he would take their offering. And then also, in verse 5, we find that the secret of why they were able to give this is what he says in verse 5. Praying us with much entreaty, or actually, and, 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 this, and this they did, then as we had hope, but first gave their own self to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You notice the secret of their giving? The secret of their giving is right here in verse 5 where it says they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. In other words, 
they had surrendered their life to God. And because they were so surrendered to God, and because they were so in tune with God, it wasn't any problem for them to be able to give of their finances. Not only were they converted, but also their pocketbook was converted as well. How many say amen to that? So the Apostle Paul uses this, these churches, and he uses these churches as an example to show churches that are not only spirit-filled, but churches that are dedicated and consecrated to God and churches who are a tremendous example. And he was trying to show this to the Corinthian church so that the Corinthian church could also learn the principles of giving. Now let's move back again to 1 Corinthians and we'll continue and we'll just about finish. So even in spite of poverty, these people gave. And then also, how much did they give? They gave in proportion. The proportion of their giving was that they gave according to how God had blessed them. Listen to what it says over here. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. You hear what it says? Lay by him in store as God has prospered him. According to the way God has prospered you. You know, for some people, it really isn't enough to give the 10% tithe. You know, we should start out. I think 10% is just the starting point. But there's a lot of people that haven't even reached the 10%. But 10% is actually the starting point. We should start by paying our tithes, 10%, then also give beyond that. Because by paying your tithes, you're really not giving anything. See, paying your tithes doesn't belong to you anyhow, so you're really not giving. It, it, it belongs to God. So you're just giving to God what belongs to God. You begin to give when you give beyond the 10%. So proportionate giving is giving according to how God has blessed you. And there should be sacrifice involved. And this is what we're calling you to on Miracle Sunday. On Miracle Sunday, we're calling people to sacrifice. And there are many that are going to sacrifice. But how many know that you cannot give God? In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 it says, Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet, keep sparingly. That is the principle in the area of giving. Now, I'll tell you, this principle applies to an individual the very same way it applies to churches. I've seen some churches that are very giving churches, and God has always blessed them. Well, I've seen churches that are so tight that they're always hurting financially. See, the thing is to be able to get into the realm of the miraculous. This is what you find Jesus trying to do with the apostles all the time. He tried to do that with Peter. He tried to do that with the disciples. Getting them to step out in the area of the miraculous and trusting God. Not being so rational that you are not able to trust God and, and move out by faith. This is what he wanted to do with the disciples. And this is what he constantly did with the disciples until the disciples began to learn the principles of trusting God. So he always brought him into impossible situations. And you know that that's what he'll do with us? When we are so comfortable that we never have an we never place ourselves in a, in a situation to step out in, by faith or to even expect the impossible or the supernatural within our lives, God will create a situation 
where you will have to trust Him and have to step out by faith. It will be a situation of do or die. And this is what He does. This is what He did with the disciples. Remember that? When He put them into the ship. You know the disciples, first He showed them about feeding the the 5,000, and there was actually about 20,000 when you count the women and the children. And then he showed them that lesson about faith, the lesson of doing the impossible. And then they still didn't learn the lesson because even after that, it says that they didn't learn even in spite of everything that they were able to see. And then what he did is he, he told them, go ahead and I'll meet you on the other side of Galilee. And then he permitted a storm to come and they were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and there was a big storm. And they thought they were going to die. And then all of a sudden, who came walking on the water? Jesus, again, doing the impossible, doing the miraculous. Once again, bringing them to the place of believing God for the impossible. Living the unexplicable life. A life that could only be explained in terms of God. That's the type of life that God wants us to live. God doesn't want us to live just a natural life. We Christians are not supposed to live just a natural life. We're supposed to live a supernatural life that it will blow the minds of your neighbors and blow the minds of other people when they see you. They say, I don't know how he's able to do it. I don't know how she's able to do it. That could only be explained in terms of God. And what did he do? He came walking on the water. Once again, he brought him face to face with the miraculous. And then Peter got all inspired. He says, could I jump in the water? And he says, sure, come. And then Peter started walking on the water and started doing the impossible. Then Peter took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. And what did Jesus do? Did Jesus commend him? Jesus got a hold of him and says, oh, ye of little faith. And he had to pick him up again and an embarrassing situation for Brother Peter, right? Right? Why? Because he took his eyes off Jesus and he put his eyes on himself and he put his eyes on the circumstances and he placed his eyes on the situation. But we're to put our eyes on Jesus. So in giving, we should be able to stretch our faith as we give to God. We should give supernaturally to God. And I want to point this out to you that this church, it isn't, in the natural it is impossible how we make it. How we're able to not only take care of our ministry here, but how we make it in supporting so many different works. You know, Mama has a lot of children. And we're the mother church. And every time the children are hurting, where do they come to? They come to Mama. Right now, we, in, in Holland, we have to support Holland. Right now, we're supporting uh, New York City. We're still supporting New York City. We're still uh, Hollywood now. We have to be supporting Hollywood. Uh, we were supporting Long Beach. We had to help Long Beach out. And uh, Brother Joe went into Long Beach helping Long Beach out and so many others that uh, whenever they're hurting or whenever they have a financial problem or whenever they have an impossible situation that they need help right away, who do they come to? They come to Mama, and we're the ones that always respond. And in the natural, it would be impossible for us to be able to do that. With all the, the finances that come in, it would be impossible. In fact, it is impossible to try to figure it out and our treasurer found that out a long time ago. But somehow, God always is always faithful. Somehow, God always comes through in a miraculous way. And you know, he can't afford to let us sink. We're giving too much, man. We're helping so many other ministries that... I mean, he needs to take care of a mama church. And, and God is always taking care of the mother church. Because we have learned to be able...
far as the church, we, we're a giving church. But the people, there are many giving people, but then there's other people that still need to learn the principles of living in the, in the impossible, living in, in the life, the supernatural life, that could only be explained in terms of God. And you begin to see things begin to happen that never happened before. You begin to see checks come in that you weren't expecting. You begin to see things happening before your very eyes that you never experienced before when you step out and you begin to believe God. Listen, if you could explain your life in the natural, then you're not living that supernatural life that God wants us to live. He wants us to live a life that is supernatural, a life that cannot be defined by human terms, but only as we include God and only as we associate it with God could we explain the life that we're living. This is the type of life that God wants us to live. And then last of all, the Apostle Paul, he said, okay, he says, the reason why I want you to do that and I want you to learn the principles is because I, want, I don't want to pressure you and I don't want to come and, and give you uh, tear-jerking stories. I don't want to pressure you for a response. And he says that there be no gathering when I come. I don't want an emotional appeal. That's what I don't want. He says, I don't, have to, I don't want to have to come. I'm preparing you now so you can get ready with that collection for the Jerusalem church. And I don't want to have to come and give you sad stories. I don't want to have to come and begin to cry. I don't want to have to come and begin to beg. But I want you to be prepared. And I want you to be uh, prepared to be able to give to the specific need, to the particular need, that we are asking you to give to, to the need in Jerusalem. Give without an emotional response. Be, but give because you have purpose within your heart to give, and because of your experience with Christ, and because of your love for God, and also your love for your brethren. This is what the Apostle Paul was trying to bring out to them. And he says to them, he says, uh, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. And then last of all, the Apostle Paul has a tremendous sense of humor. And he says in verse 3, And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letter, then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. In other words, the Apostle Paul wanted to make sure there was a responsible delivery. And he said, I want you to bring one of your representatives with the offering for Jerusalem that they may take it and hand carry it to the Jerusalem church. See, he wanted accountability. And I think it's very important for also a ministry to have accountability. This is one of the things that I'm very, very careful about we want to be good stewards, good stewards of Jesus Christ, good stewards of the finances that come into the work of God. And what we love to see is see a little bit stretch out a mighty long way and do the very best we can with the finances that God is able to provide to the ministry. And this is what the Apostle Paul did. He said, I want, a, I want a responsible delivery. I want to make sure that you have a representative that is representing your offering and they could hand carry it and take it to the Jerusalem church so it gets there. And then not only that, but then he says, and if you give a good offering, and if you really do good, and even do the best you can, and even go beyond that, he says, I'll even go with him myself and I'll take it personally to the Jerusalem church. See, Paul was trying to teach the Corinthians to be able to learn the principle of giving. To be a giving people. To develop a spirit of liberality 
in the area of giving of their finances. Not to be tight, not to be stingy, not to hold back, but to give unto God and to give unto the work of God. This is what he was teaching the church at Corinth. And you know the church didn't learn it until after he had to come back in 2 Corinthians. Then he had to come back and again tell them about these other churches. And then finally he says, and listen, I, I spoke to you about a year and a half ago about giving to Jerusalem and you still haven't given. What has happened to that offering and th those promises and those pledges that you had made? And the reason why he didn't let them off the hook was because he wanted to give them the whole counsel of God. And I'll tell you this tonight. It's not easy to talk about finances. Do you know there's many preachers that are afraid to talk about finances to their church? They're terrified. There's some preachers that are afraid to talk about tithes, talk about finances, because they'll be kicked out. You know, the church doesn't want to hear it. It seems like the, some churches want to hear everything else, everything else permissible, but don't you mess with their finances. Don't you talk about money. And yet, the Bible speaks a lot about money. We have, I just shared with you a little bit earlier, how we have parables that speak about it, and so many different scriptures that deal in the area of our finances, in the area of our giving. And this is why the Apostle Paul wanted them to get the whole counsel of the Word of God. Don't just give them a little portion, but he wanted to give them the whole counsel of the Word of God. And what I want to see, I want to see in our church, I want to see our people bless. I want to see you bless. I want to see everything that God has for you, that you will be a recipient of the blessings of God. And that you will have a spirit of liberality. Not because you're doing it because of legalism, but you're doing it because of your love for God. Because you love Him, with so, you love him so much and you have so much gratitude and you're so grateful for what God has done for you that not only are you willing to give of your talents and willing to give of, your, of the gifts that God has given unto you, but also you're willing to give of your finances as well. And when you begin to do that, and as we begin to do that, we'll begin to walk in that realm of faith that God wants us to walk in. We'll begin to experience His supernatural power operating within our lives. How many say amen to that? I want everybody to stand with me right now. I want you to begin to raise your hands and begin to praise them. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.